the pride of Limerick, the young man named Sean Sheehan. The MMA media, Don Graham McDonald. The severe MMA people that are coming to the local shows way before everyone else. To see them coming up and they're getting their shot and I'm proud that people are coming up with me. Welcome, welcome everybody. It's episode 165 of the Severe MMA podcast. My name is Sean G and from here from SevereMMA.com and Sherdog.com as well sometimes. And obviously the Severe MMA podcast. And with me, like every week, is the Bobby Gunn of Irish MMA media, Graham McDonald. As we go through a big week of MMA this week, we're going to look back at last week's UFC Utica. We're also going to look at the, the bare knuckle boxing a little bit. Graham didn't see it all, but we'll talk about it uh, for, a, for a minute or two. We're going to look ahead to UFC 225 as well next week. Uh, at KSW and Brave as well, with a lot of Irish interest in that. And we have a few more topics as well. There was a talk of a tournament with, with Conor McGregor and... And a few more lads, so we'll talk about that. And Yair Rodriguez is back as well. And we answer all your questions at the end. So if we can get all those things into like an hour, we'll get them in. We'll probably miss out on something. Graham, how are you? How are things? How was your weekend? Good, good, yeah. Enjoying the long weekend. A few sunny days, as always, makes everything a lot better. Yeah, do you, what, do you want to tell the people about the unforeseen circumstances yesterday that we had to move? I somehow ended up drinking until like 10 a.m. Uh, stupidly. And then was absolutely dying and had to go to bed early. I love the way when I, I tweeted that, like, due to unforeseen circumstances, we can't do the podcast on Monday. And, like, everyone replied, oh, who was drinking? <laughs> <laughs> they know us too well. We yeah, give away too much on this fucking podcast. <laughs> we fucking do, we fucking do. But I, don't, I, don't, I wouldn't be drinking now too often. But, uh, yeah, so, <clears throat> there's, I, I, actually, in, like, two weeks' time, we're probably going to be Monday again. But other than that, I think we might be. We're coming to that age, aren't we, where there's, like, weddings and tortillas and fucking just loads of shit like that where we have to go out on like saturday nights and then we're dying on sunday because we're old men and we just can't do the podcast on monday it's it's terrible getting old isn't it Graham? it's awful yeah like years ago I, literally you were drinking for like weeks straight when you went on holidays no mm. problem and you just feel grand you feel a little bit dodgy but you feel grand nowadays fucking hell yeah. i don't know how normal does it I don't know how he does it either. Yeah, like to, to to drink 368 days a year, like must be, <laughs> must, must be tough, must be tough. But uh, the weather's fine. I'm I'm literally sitting here in a pair of shorts and nothing else doing this podcast because it's so warm and there's so am I actually. <laughs> there's, there's, there's building going on out the back here, and I have to have my uh, I have to have my window closed. So I'm just if anyone had seen me in in uh, submission radio last week, I was the same. I had to wear clothes and that because uh, it was a video, and I was just pumping sweat <laughs> and I was hung over as well of like falling asleep on the show. I was like, I don't. Know how I got through that one, but hopefully we'll get through. Uh, you're, you're on that show more than the the hosts are on that I, show. I these fucking days. am. I fucking am. The Sheehan submissions. That's what they should call it from now on. But uh, I am. It's a good show. If anyone hasn't uh, listened to it, check it out. Submission Radio over on uh, over on YouTube. Check them out. They're good. They're good lads. But uh, right. Let's get into <clears throat> let's get into some MMA talk. Anyway, and you you know usually when we come on here, we uh, we look at the the last week in MMA and the, the big. Uh, the big UFC event usually, and we we spend a good 10, 15 minutes breaking down the main event. And unfortunately for us <laughs> this week, the main event went like, what was it? 30, let me just pull it up here, like 33 seconds where Marlon Moraes um, knocked out Jimmy Rivera with a, with a beautiful head kick. I, we were talking about it last week, and I think both of us thought it would go pretty long. You thought Moraes would win in probably similar fashion that he did, but not maybe early. I thought it probably I might go to the decision. But um, my alarm clock just went off. Oh, with Rivera winning. But Moraes, it, it was just a phenomenal, unbelievable early... Like, was this... What's your opinion on this? Like, was this just like a flash KO, or was it just Moraes is just way better than him? 
Well, I think it's it's both. I think um, I think like I expected it to go a bit longer. I think uh, I, I thought Marais would land leg kicks and kind of use that to to slow Rivera down on the on the feet because Rivera was on what like a 20, 20 odd fight win streak there coming into this. So uh, I'd say Martin Marais was preparing for a much longer fight as well, but um, it was a pinpoint kick and it was it was it was good ground and pound as well when he, when he when he got the finish. And I think it was a good stoppage by the ref, even though Rivera got up straight after i think he kind of he wasn't really supporting his own weight bar with his head for a minute or for a second there when the ref stopped it so i think it's a good stoppage um yeah marais like he he said all the right things in the in the post-fight interview as well i think like he he said like he's, he's nobody knows he's working as harder than anybody and he's he's trying to to evolve his game even now like and he's looking at other fighters who are doing things well and trying to take from them and stuff so it's a good attitude to have when you're what, like 26, 27 fights into your career to still be looking to, to pick up new stuff and learn from others. Yeah, like, how, how much can you actually take from 33 minutes? I suppose you can take more from his last couple of fights, you know, where where he looked uh, awful, very good in his last few fights. Even, you know, even in that Rafael Asensio fight, that's a tough fight to come in your UFC debut against Asensio. It's a tough fight anyway. You know, we talked about it last week, but, you know, he absolutely destroyed Aljamain Sterling, beat John Dodson as well in, in a very close fight. But for me, you know, it's hard to take anything away from a guy when he knocks him out in 33 seconds, but this was a, <laughs> I don't know, it was, it was, you know, when you, uh, people probably talk about this and they'll talk about McGregor versus Aldo, you know, and it's kind of the flash knockout. Like Aldo was coming into that, he was, you know, he was going hard for McGregor, you know, he caught McGregor, McGregor caught him and McGregor just caught him cleaner and knocked him out. You know, we've seen it with other ones before, but this one, it was just kind of, it was just Rivera wasn't expecting Marais to throw the kick, and then he like didn't see it. Come, or well, he saw it coming and just didn't react, and it hit. It was very odd. Like this was the type of one where it's a sort of fight that in like thirty years' time, Marais will be there, you know, sitting with his grandchildren, looking back in his career, thinking like, or Rivera even looking back in his career, thinking like, this is I threw this one away. You know, I did. I, I had this big opportunity. If I won it, I could probably I'd probably be fighting for for the world title. And I just stood there and he threw a kick and it kicked me in the head and knocked me out. It was it was it was one of those fights, like really I, I didn't watch it live, but I watched it the next day. And it was I hadn't seen the results or anything. And I was like, okay, I'm I'm sitting in here now, you know, expecting this to go 25 minutes, a long fight. And he just kind of got caught. It was look, full credit to Marais. He did unbelievably well to do it to you know to land that kick to be that accurate, that early, you know, that quick out of the blocks. But for Rivera, you you know, it, it is one of those, you know, it's like it's like Man United against Tottenham earlier on. Do you remember that when Tottenham scored after like eleven seconds, and then basically the game was over? You know that that kind of just happens sometimes in in sports where you get caught early and the game is kind of over, and that that's kind of what happened to Rivera. So you know, there's we we'd love to sit down here and do uh <laughs> do twenty minutes of analysis, but there really isn't uh there really isn't much analysis. So, like, what, what's your opinion on on Marais? Do you, like, I know TJ's fighting uh Cody again next, but. Marais has surely put himself in, in, you know, the front foot to get the the next title shot after that one. Yeah, well, like, w- I wonder what's happening with Dominic Cruz. I'd like to see that. Yeah, like I haven't heard much from him, but uh, obviously we were talking about the Aston South fight. He just makes everybody look. He just kind of makes the fight very similar. To, all his fights are very similar, Aston South, and he makes it very difficult to look good against and very difficult to to win impressively against. So he's already fought him. He's probably not going to fight him again. Otherwise, he'd have to be looking behind him, really, which I don't know if he wants to do after beating the number four ranked guy in, in Jimmy Rivera. But um, 
yeah, I think I think if Dominic Cruz is ready to go, then get Dominic Cruz going. But uh, otherwise, he could wait for the winner of the the title fight. Yeah, that title fight's it's it's not too far away as a winner. I'm not sure exactly when it's coming, but it's coming up uh, pretty soon. So I think it'll be good timing for uh, like I think it makes sense for Marais to sit out now and just wait for that now because it's it's not too far away. But you know, this bantamweight division was you remember uh, kind of after the Dominic Cruz. Um, injury three years or whatever you want to call it you know where Hinnenborough came in then Burrow kind of lost it as well you know we we thought maybe <clears throat> you know after um after Cruz had been stripped of the belt and you know after he came back again that you know it, this this division might get a, a little bit of um you know a little bit of normality and normality to it but it, it kind of hasn't because you know Cody has been injured and you know it's taken a while to get this Cody TJ rematch going because of the DJ thing and all I still think it's one of the best divisions uh, you know by way of um by way of talent you know looking at uh, you know you, we mentioned them already TJ Cody Dominic Cruz Asensio Rivera Marais Lineker Dodson Sterling Caraway Munoz the man you know, uh, know Thomas Almeida down there again Rob Font uh, Brett Johns Eddie Wine you know all really good guys you know exciting guys to watch as well and it, fe- it feels like you know if TJ can <clears throat> can kind of get a roll on and get maybe three or four title defenses in in a year or 16 months or something like that this division could could really take off and i think marlon Marais versus tj versus cody especially i think it would be just an unbelievable fight and you know it's I, I wouldn't rule out jimmy rivera either as well again i think this this might be something that might um you know that might kick him into overdrive to, to come on and and, and get back towards a, a title fight but uh yeah it's it, what are your thoughts on the division and you know i, I know i asked you already Marais next but you know that that it really is high level stuff here when you see a guy like Cody Garbrandt versus TJ Dillashaw at the top of it, and then another guy like Marlon Moraes waiting in the wings, isn't it? Yeah, and even Rivera, as you said, is, he didn't take that much damage really, like uh, in in losing brutally like he did. Uh, it's not as if he's going to need like to go back and completely redraw. Like as you said, like, like he got caught. This happens when you fight um, high level MMA for for tens of fights. So he's also going to probably get a get a another fight soon soon enough and get back into contention as well so uh wouldn't rule him out yet like uh, losing to martin marias like that like it isn't isn't a, a career over or like a, a career as a contender finished like you can rebuild yourself in that division pretty quickly so i think he'll be back as well i think marias yeah i think unless they offer him some some big spot i think he should probably wait for the the title shot but you never know what's going to happen like people the title shot Mm, you might want to stay ready for that for that fight whenever that TJ Cody fight is. You yeah. might want to stay ready near weight because uh, we all know how many people are missing weight these days. Yeah, that is true. Yeah, and you know, it, Boca, well, T, go Cody especially has a, a history of injury, so you know, it, yeah, it's a good call if, if you could stay on weight for that and, and maybe going on, on short notice, keeping it, keeping training camp. As you said as well, like you know. Uh, Rivera didn't take much damage. Marais took no damage. Like, and Rivera got knocked out and everything. But it was, you know, it wasn't, you know, apart from the knockout. I'm sorry, but Marais, if he stays training and keeps going at it, he could, he could easily step in there and it'd be, you know, it'd be a, it'd be good timing for him probably if he could do that. But um, I yeah. suppose before about, we, yeah, go on. What about the best fisherman in town? Uh, best fisherman in the world, way better than Neil Siri. <laughs> yeah, he look, he's just, he's. So dominating, isn't he, Gregor Gillespie? Like Vince Pichel's a good guy. You know, we talked about it last week that this was maybe one of the sleeper fights on on the on the card. He's twelve and zero now, Gregor Gillespie. Just yeah, he, he's, he's a tough fight. Win streak to say, like mm. he kind of just quietly, he 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 
went to a decision in his first UFC fight, and since then he's had all finishes over uh, Andrew Holbrook, Jason Gonzalez, Rinaldi, and now Vince Michelle. Like, so yeah, he's quietly building himself up nicely. Twelve and zero is a great record as well. Yeah, <clears throat> he's the type of guy though that maybe. <sighs> You know, maybe the UFC won't push as hard as as they would another guy because of you know he's a wrestling heavy style. He's good in the feet as well. You know, he's 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 no joke, and he gets submissions, get finishes. But I just have that I don't know. I have that niggling feeling with him that the UFC are you know they're they're not going to push him as hard as they would. You know, like even maybe Joseph Duffy at the time when he was coming up. You know, they gave him. They gave him uh, Dustin Poirier early enough in in his UFC career. You know, he had the McGregor thing with him as well, but he had the exciting style, you know, a really good striker and and everything like that. I don't know if if Gregor Gillespie will get pushed that much. And in fairness, he did get a he did get a core man of interior, so maybe maybe yeah. I'm wrong. But I think I think that that was his third performance of the night bonus. He had one in his second UFC fight. He had the the fight of the night in his third, and then he has a performance of the night again against Vince Michelle. So. You see, probably like I don't see them rushing him to a title shop because that division, that lightweight division, is so stacked. But uh, yeah. if you just quietly keep knocking off wins, kind of like Kevin Lee did, and all of a sudden people are like, "Wow, this guy's eight now in the UFC," get him into title contention, and that's all it takes. That's true. Actually, I wouldn't mind seeing the Kevin Lee Gregor Gillespie fight in a few, maybe uh, three or four fights down the line. That'd be that'd be pretty good as well. I think they're evenly matched, evenly yeah. enough. Maybe not matched guys, but evenly enough skill sets type of guys. But uh, yeah, but. Before we get to some of the other fights, I suppose we, we have to mention the, this whole Jessica Aguilar situation. She was <laughs> she was supposed to fight Jordi Escabel, and uh, Ariel tweeted, "Was it? It was after the wins, wasn't it? That she, it was like the night of the fight that she was pulled because she had chapped lips. Look, she said she had chapped lips, so that that you know you can take that at a you know at face value if you want. But it, it's like it seems like the New York State Athletic Commission are going over looking at people, looking to see if they don't look good, if they look dehydrated or they you know they look sick or whatever, and if they do pulling them out. <clears throat> and look in one way you can say, okay, they're they're looking out for the the well the well being and the wellness of the fighters. But in another way, this is this is fighting like you know these people were sparring up until you know, 10 days or two weeks ago, you know, you're not going to, you know, you're not going to be good. These, these people cut down, you know, 10% or whatever, 15% of their body weight the day before. These people are not going to be at 100%. Let's just be honest here. You know, we, we know that, I, and I've talked about it with you and with other people a hundred times that the system needs to be changed, but the system hasn't been changed. The system is the system we have it at the moment, you know, with weight cutting especially. These people are not going to be in, going in there hundred percent. If someone has chapped lips, like come on, it, this is it. This one, this one <laughs> just seemed it's it seemed ludicrous to me. It was the same to you. Yeah, it's laughable. It's just ridiculous. I th- I thought it was like some kind of like uh, what's your man's name? That fucking MMA insider guy. What's his name? Izzy. Yeah. Where he yeah, changes yeah, 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 yeah. all his profile to like to pretend like shit's happening like that. I was just like, this is just weird. And it's always real. I was like, this just makes no sense. Yeah, it is. You know, it's a good fight too, and and for Jessica Aguilar especially, you have like, a, like what, what <sighs> like you break a fucking nail or something, they're gonna pull you from a fight. Like it's you have yeah. chapped lips. Like what the fuck? Mm-hmm. Yeah, for as I said, like Jessica Aguilar especially. You know, she was the best in the world. You know, the pound for pound number one in in that weight class, and you know, two UFC losses against Courtney Casey and Claudia Gadelia. She kind of needed, you know, she needed to bounce back in there. For you know, for Escavel is, is a similar thing. You know, she uh, lost in her UFC debut against uh, Kovalkovich. You know, came in with a lot of hype, and this this was would have been a big win for her as well. But they they look like they're gonna remake the fight anyway. But it, you know, it's just just weight cutting issues again and again. Like I. 
Oh God, I, I was arguing with Neil Siri and a couple of lads on Twitter about this. I, I really, really, really think the only solution is to tear up the whole system and start it again because oh, we can't talk about this again, can we? I, I know, but <laughs> like if, if you give someone if you give someone the ability to work the system, they're gonna work the system. I think it's better just to have no system, you know, <laughs> no weight cutting system anyway. I think you need to divide fighters in a different way, but as you said, we've talked about it a hundred times and it's just it's awful very annoying. But uh yeah, let's let's move on. <clears throat> and I suppose the the two probably the two most exciting fights of the night were the two opening fights of the night. We'll get to the other ones in a yeah. second, but the Tanya Woods the first one <laughs> and jo- Jose Shorty Torres. Let's talk about Jose Shorty Torres first. The f- the funniest thing maybe about this fight is, and if anyone watched it, it ended with, with Jared Brooks uh, knocking himself out from a slam. Re- really, well, uh, I don't know. It was kind of yeah. Jose Torres kind of half reversed it in the air and made it made it difficult for him, and he kind of tried to go for the big slam anyway, even though it, it probably was just better to kind of make sure you end up on top and uh, yeah, his head hit underneath and a couple of ground and pound shots and he was done. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he did. And I think he explained it really well afterwards as well in the, in the post-fight interview, how, how he did turn it around and how he did move it in, in the air to get the, the knockout. So it wasn't a hundred percent knocked himself out, but he, he, you know, he did knock himself out too at the same time. It was, it was weird after af, uh, afterwards. Jar Brooks came out and and tweeted. Uh, that tweet was so funny. It, it, but the funniest thing about that tweet, like, what he tweeted was basically that, oh, I was beating you every second of the fight. It was I would have won easily unless on until I knocked myself out, which is actually right. Like the, the funniest thing about yeah. it, like he was absolutely. Then, then he goes on. Then he goes on to say, and nine times out of ten, I'd beat you. Um, and the only way you'd win is for me to KO myself. So he's giving himself a ten percent chance of KOing himself in the uh, rematch. No, though, he's not. He's saying if they fought nine more times, he'd win all nine. He, Jose Torres won the first one, so that'd be nine out of ten. Well, I think he said if he fought again, I'd win nine out of ten times. He didn't say that. I saw lots of people calling him that, calling that out. I was like, yeah, you're the fucking idiots there. Like, come on, he he, he knocked him out uh, once, and they're gonna fight ten times altogether. So he'd win the next nine. So there you go. I think if he fought again ten times, though, no, I don't. I don't think he said that. I don't. No, I Maybe don't. not. I mean. I think he said that. But anyway, like I know we we've talked about Shark Charles before in this podcast. Uh, you know he's a really good prospect coming in, but this this was a little bit like the the Nathaniel Wood fight. We we'll, we'll talk about that in a second because he maybe had a different way. You know, Jared Brooks is a tough guy to come in against. You know, no joke. Um, Torres did not look good to be honest. He he did hang in there. You know, he did. <laughs> He did well enough, but he was he was really getting out last year. And I suppose when you do have, you know, that ability to turn things around, it's it's a big thing for for young guys coming in, especially. But you know, this it, it reminds me a little bit maybe of Tom Dukunwa. We know you know his first couple of fights where he kind of got away with it maybe a little bit, and he got a little bit of a setback then. But I still think he's a he's a good prospect. But you know, maybe we need to cool the jets a little bit on him. Yeah, I, um, hmm. Some, as you say, sometimes in the UC debut, it's kind of, it's kind of a bit of nerves and a bit of this is finally where, like, where I've always wanted to be, and now I'm here, and it's a bit extra pressure, and you kind of want to prove to everybody, and it, sometimes it's a different level of fighter as well. So it's a number of factors together that kind of make him maybe not look as good as you have on on the regional circuit or outside of the UFC. Yeah, and what about Nathaniel Wood then? How how do you uh, how do you you know how do you see his performance? You know, we talked about him a lot last week coming in, Cage Warriors champion, phenomenal uh, prospects. What do you think of his fight against Johnny Eduardo, a tough veteran? Yeah, I thought it was I thought it was a great fight. Um, it kind of was very back and forth in the first fight. I think both of them were rocked at one stage. Um, 
Uh, I think Wood's speed and timing was a little bit better, but Eduardo was 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 landing some big ones himself as well. And I think uh, Johnny Eduardo is not known for his takedowns, and I think he showed why when he went for that takedown. It was it was a desperation takedown, and ended up sticking himself into a choke, and that was all she wrote. Yeah, I mean, I mentioned at the time. I think uh, Johnny Eduardo had probably seen the the Josh Reed fight, and you know he had him a little bit hurt at at stages, but he didn't kind of go for the kill because he knows what Nathaniel Wood is like. You know, I did the rewatch last week over on Patreon. If anyone heard it, and you know, it was probably the perfect fight to do because <clears throat> this fight kind of turned out a bit like it for stages, but it didn't because Johnny Eduardo kind of pulled out and waited. And you know, when you do that, when you don't go for the kill, there's always a chance that guys will come back. And Nathaniel Wood did just that. And I, like I don't think people are giving Nathaniel Wood enough. Credit you know people are kind of saying johnny had rather threw this fight away and stuff and you know fair enough it was it was a sloppy takedown he left himself there but i thought nathaniel wood did unbelievably well to kind of hold him there and go for the choke and he you know he went for you know whatever you want to call it bravo choke uh, you know just took the life out of him really with that didn't didn't let him up was happy enough on the ground went for the kill this he mentioned afterwards in the post fight interview that he's not just a striker, you know, he can fight on the ground. And uh, watching this fight with, with uh, Brad Pickett in his corner, like I think, and maybe I'm off the market, but I think this could be a little bit like uh, Dwayne Bang Ludwig uh, as a coach coming in here, uh, coaching Nathaniel Wood. Like Dwayne Ludwig as a fighter was not like TJ Dillashaw or the other guys that he trains, was not this, you know, this <clears throat> technically very good, smart game plan fighter and he was a guy who went out and just absolutely tore people to pieces and tried to knock guys out brad pickett's the same you know he was a guy who went out he he'd either get knocked out or knock you out and you know put on exciting fights or you know lighter ways maybe got decision whatever but he seems to be training nathaniel wood to be i know okay he has that in the first round he's a guy who will go at it and he'll come back and knock you out but when he got to that position on the ground and even in the start, we you know with the leg kicks and everything, he's, he's trying to fight technical, and and you know he's he's trying to be cerebral. He's trying to you know if he gets an opportunity to absolutely take you out in that in that uh, direction. I think like I I think there are signs with Nathaniel Wood that he could he could really become one of you know one of the the upper echelon as you like to say it, guys. He's still very young in his career. It's going to take you know it's probably going to take another eight fights or something like that for him to get up there. But he, he, I think he's on the way. He looks like a guy who's improving and. You know, we see a lot of times with guys who are really exciting like that, uh, who maybe can't transition into becoming, you know, those cerebral technical fighters, maybe a little bit like Thomas Almeida, who I think I'd like to see them fighting. But I think Nathaniel Wood has shown signs that he's becoming that. And, you know, maybe his fights will become a, a little less back and forth brawls and maybe a little more Nathaniel Wood dominating in, in the future. And I think he, he's going that way. But I'm, I'm really excited about uh, his career. Yeah, he, even even in fights, he's well, he's probably going to lose fights. Everybody lose fights in the UFC if you stay around long enough. I'd say even those fights are going to be exciting, and he won't lose any fans over them. Like you know, he's not a he's not a boring fighter in any way. Even even when he's he's been cracked himself, he's looking to he's not looking to buy himself time. He's just looking to crack the other guy back. So they're the kind of fighters that fans, casual fans, will take notice of if if they keep winning, and even if they lose, they won't lose too much steam because of their style. So. Uh, I can see Nathaniel Wood sticking around for a long time. He seems to be, I think we mentioned it last week and a couple of weeks before, he's improving fight, fight to fight to fight. And as we said about Jose Torres, you know, this is big spot. Like, okay, he's been Cage Warriors champion or, or, or uh, he's been regional champion and all that. So uh, he's been in big spots before, but the UFC debut against against a good, good experienced guy with 40 fights, like, you know, the, 
this was a big a big step up in terms of pressure and atmosphere and media media around him and all that stuff when he came through look doing what he always does and fighting as he always fights and getting the win mm-hmm, 100% uh i suppose the other stick out thing on that card was david timor against uh, against nick Lenz, who won uh won the decision we talked about him a little bit last week as well I, like this guy i mentioned on, on twitter on saturday night I think he's. I think he's going to be a little bit too small for that lightweight division. But I just. I think he has so much ability. I think he's an unbelievable striker. He's very good takedown defense. His light and his feet can stay away from guys who like to get inside. Seems to have you know power and just precision technique. Everything. I, I really really like David Timor. You know I can't. I can't say enough good things about him. But check your underwears, man. Check your underwears, indeed. But like, it's unfortunate to say he's a little bit too small for the division, but it is because you know he's fighting Nick Lintz, who fought at featherweight before, and he, you know, Nick Lintz was looked bigger and stronger than him. You know, and I, I'm the one who gives out about um, weight cutting all the time, but I just have a feeling this guy's going to pick up a couple of losses because he's too small and move down to featherweight and then do damage. I don't know. Maybe it's just me. But what, what do you think of, uh, of David Timor? Mr. Sean G and he doesn't want people cutting weight. Wants this guy to cut ten pounds extra. I, it's not that I want him. It's that I, <laughs> it's that I feel the system we have in place is going to force a guy like that to cut down. Like if nobody was cutting, he'd probably be fighting a lightweight, and so would Max Holloway and you know everyone else at featherweight, and then he'd be fighting guys his own size. But it's just it seems that he doesn't cut as much. Uh, yeah, no, as no, I'm only, I'm only taking the piss out of you. Yeah, what like. I know this is slightly related to the fight, but what the hell was Daniel Tamer, his brother, doing on the like on, way closer to the, on the main card or whatever? Very odd. What's going on? Like they did they, they write them down wrong or something? I, I think that might have. Yeah, that was that was very odd. But yeah, he, his brother then was kind of just you know beaten easily by uh, by Julio Arce. The rest of the card just wasn't was great, was it? I think we have to. I know that we're, like we, there's nothing really else to talk about on the card, but this Eubanks and Murphy fight. Oh my god. Yeah. This is like the the number two ranked. Like, if she had have made weight, probably would have been number one ranked or champion in this division. And yeah. like, no offense to her, but like, she's young in her career. What is that? Like, her fourth professional fighter or fifth professional fighter or something? Yeah, something like that. But come on, like, this division is not ready for for at all. Like, this is too. Like, this, there's not enough women in the UFC for all these divisions. Mm-hmm. This is not. Yeah, this was this was particularly bad. <laughs> Just an awful fight. Like Eubanks was very good on on tough. I think she's like dominating hard wrestler, very strong. Laura Murphy can, in in fairness though, she can be an awkward uh, matchup. Just because she's kind of long and big and wily and stuff but yeah just neither of them just had a great even when you see you're reading out like you know number two ranked uh yeah. sasha eubanks uh, coming in a record of two and two or whatever you're just like oh my god mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah this this division badly needs valentina shevchenko got to come in here and beat a couple of girls and then beat like five more and just like ray and his champion for a while i think yeah that, you know, nobody's near her level from what we've seen on in that in that uh division yeah, hundred percent not. But yeah, it was that was a particularly uh particularly bad fight. Uh there was wins as well there for Bilal Muhammad, who's probably the best performance of the night, looked phenomenal on uh, coming in on with a uh, Ramadan as well. He was only able to drink like ten minutes before the fight because of his of his fast and stuff he came in and absolutely destroyed Transfer Rencontre, who didn't look great. Uh Bin Saunders as well got a, a nice TKO of Jack Ellenberger, Ellenberger who'll hopefully retire after this. You know, he's taken 
he's taking a lot of damage down, you know, yeah. even from the, the wonder by fighting, you know, Mike when, when he, when, remember when the, the cage TKO'd him that time viciously as well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was that was pretty raw. But yeah, hopefully we you know, he'd be a guy he'd be a guy I'd like to see retire now, to be honest. But uh, yeah, other than that, you know, not a great card. Okay, but that was about it. Uh the other big card I suppose from the weekend was the uh bare knuckle fighting championship card, <laughs> which well, what are you like? Uh, I'm unsure to think about this because I was like, ah, oh, no, I, bare knuckle boxing, I can't watch that shit. And then it was on, and you tweeted out an illegal link, so I decided to click on that. I actually didn't even mean <laughs> to do that. I was trying to send Did that just in a DM to somebody else. Um... <laughs> How drunk were you when you sent that? Oh, I don't know. I must have been, <laughs> And everyone was like tweeting you. This is why I sign up for Patreon. You're the best uh, MMA website. <laughs> uh, even when I fuck up, I'm, I'm brilliant. Yeah, but uh, it was there for like twelve hours. Or, like the whole car. Yeah. Was, I didn't. Even I was just like, as I said, I was drinking until like ten a.m. And then I was yeah. sleeping. And then I just got up and I saw all these messages. I'm like, what the people? What are people talking about? And then I'm like, oh no, <laughs> what a legend. But anyway. I got to watch it. I know you didn't see all of it, but look, I, I was kind of going into it. I was like, oh, no, this this bare knuckle shit. I can't be watching that. And it was like, uh, you uh, you tweeted, like, I, I clicked on it. I was like, this is fun. <laughs> it, was, it was fun. Like, it was, you know, you Dan Mergley out of there refing it and stuff, which gives it a bit of legitimacy. It was The weirdest thing was <laughs> they kept calling it a squared circle, even though it was a circular ring in a square. So it was actually a circled square. It wasn't a squared circle. And they kept calling it. That's just a pro wrestling term, isn't it? Yeah, but it's it's a term because it's a circle that has been squared. You know, <laughs> these are yeah. shapes. This is not just the words, like, you know. And do, do, you know do you know what yeah. actually the, the, the worst one, and it seems to be all the British media or all the British commentators call the yeah. octagon an octagon. It's not an octagon. It's an octagon. What, what's wrong with these people? Nurgamadov. Nurmagomedov. 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 RTE 2FM, they absolutely butchered Habib's name. Did they? One of the Niall McGrath specials. Oh, was it? Oh, was it Niall McGrath saying it? It sounded like it was Niall McGrath saying it, but it was... I couldn't be that bad. 2FM butchering Habib Nurmagomedov. Advice from 2FM. But anyway, on this... This bare knuckle boxing thing, <clears throat> it was it was good. I enjoyed it. I'm not. I'm still not 100 percent sure about it. I I still have a feeling like, and I know it's been done a couple of places. And so I feel like if this kind of takes off, someone will start a league where they do the same thing, but with just MMA gloves, and it'll be much more sustainable. And people won't, you know, won't have the that allure of of the the bare knuckle thing, which is, you know, to me this looks like a thing that'll probably have three or four shows, and that'll be about it. Um. But it was good. There was there was a couple of really really good fights. Uh, Joey Beltran had an unbelievable fight. Beck Rollins got a got a lovely finish. Johnny Bedford as well, who was fighting the UFC, got a nice finish. Like they were good, exciting fights. Didn't you know? It didn't it didn't seem that barbaric or anything like that. You know, I think it's you know Joe Rogan talks about it an awful lot and stuff. But I think you know the the gloves are great and all, but there's still a lot of damage being done even with gloves on and you know having gloves on, having gloves off. I don't know. It makes that much more difference to the damage you're taking, apart apart from your hands, maybe. Which is, you know, would you rather as well? Yeah, yeah your wrists. But they they do tape up the wrists and stuff, so I think they had a little bit of protection. But watching it didn't seem like that barbaric or anything like that. But maybe, you know, maybe it'd be better for someone who isn't a fucking uh, a heathen watching MMA every week to to talk about it. <laughs> it's desensitized to to it, that yeah. kind of thing. 
Yeah, but yeah, it was, it yeah was I, I, I only saw the I only saw the, the finish and the back rollings or <laughs> the, the highlights of it and she, she her opponent didn't come out for the, the next round, so uh, I didn't see most of it, but uh it's just sounded from um Twitter and all that people people enjoyed it and it was a positive response to it. But uh yeah, it's 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 a good place for it's another avenue for MMA guys to uh, make some make some money if they're not in the UFC, so yeah. I'd, I'd have to go back and watch a property before I gave a judgment on it, but it, it seemed to go down positively with, with most people. Yeah, 100%. Um, all right, before we get to the UFC next week, let's let's talk about the Irish guys who are going to be fighting next week and the big Irish, uh, or a big event coming up in Ireland anyway with, with Brave and, and KSW. Uh, we have uh, Paul Redmond and Chris Woods fighting there, and I believe there's a media there today. And one of the last ones... What did I say? You said Chris Woods, did you? Did I? Chris Fields, sorry. <laughs> I'm just I'm it's it's been like fucking five days since he's done a podcast and I can't do it anymore. But uh Andy Cowan, I think, has gone down today to interview the lads. Yeah. So we, we shoved him up. Two big fights. I was talking to to Reds there last day. He's, you know, he's looking forward to going over to Poland uh, and fighting and stuff. And it, you know, he's expecting another win, obviously, out of that. But two big fights for two lads, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Um for, for Chris, he's fighting a, a UC veteran, Wagner Prado. People probably remember him best from um he was doing I think it was his UC debut on short notice and he was doing really well against Phil Davis before Phil Davis uh poked him in the eye, I think it was. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the fight had to be stopped and then he had a rematch with Davis and ended up losing. But uh he got cut from the UC after a loss after that, but reeled off what four four wins in a row before losing, uh, and then he won again uh, in his last fight. Um, so, and Chris Fields has looked much better uh, um, without having to put all that weight. He's looked much better at um, light heavyweight. He's he's won his last two uh, at Bama twenty four, and then at uh, KSW the, the KSW Dublin show. So, uh, yeah, I think I think not having to cut all that weight and worry about that your whole training camp and. All that shit makes you have more time to concentrate on your on your game plan and your technique and all that stuff. And I think I think Chris has benefited from that. But this is a big big test for him and Wagner Prado. It's going to be the, the biggest test he's had at light heavyweight. I think so. Uh, it should be an interesting one. And then Reds are uh, is coming off. A lot of people thought he what was it? Bama twenty eight against Norman Park. A lot of people thought he won that. The majority decision went to Norman Park, but uh, I think both guys, Redder and Norman, have said since that it was one of them fights that could have went either way. So, um, very, very close one there. Um, and since that since that loss uh, by decision, he's beaten Rob Sinclair by leg lock, uh, Lucas Shulinski by split decision, and then uh, Santos in his last one by decision as well. So, um, he's, he's, he, his last one was in Bellator, and now he's in KSW. Um I don't know much about the guy he's fighting, but he's seven and two, which is which is a good record. And um, he's he's fought uh, he's fought like guys that aren't don't have great records. Like the first guy he fought it was, and his pro debut was O and O. Fair enough, O and O versus O and O. Second one one and O versus one and O. That's fair enough. Third one three and O against two and two. It's kind of fair enough. And three and O four and one. And then he lost the fifteen and four. To a 14, 15 and four guy by decision, and kind of went back down to fighting guys who were like the next guy was one and two, and the next guy three and zero. Oh. So he's kind of stepping back up after after kind of getting a couple of confidence builders, and I think um, I think Redzer's wrestling, and uh, it's hard to know. I haven't seen this guy, but Redzer's uh, such a hard nosed wrestler, and he's got really good submissions, tricky submissions. He's got decent boxing as well. Like you know, if if he can't get the takedown, he's not going to get blown out of the water or anything. So this, I'd expect Reds are to win here, but it's hard to call when you haven't seen the other guy fight. Yeah, I, I think I've seen little little bits of the, of the other guy. He seems, you know, like one of those 
hard-nosed Eastern European guys, not the stereotype too much, you know, who comes in, throws, throws big shots, a lot of clinching takedowns, a big muscle-bound kind of guy. And, you know, I think, you know, Reds are as fuck guys like that before. I think he's well able to maybe stay outside uh, for the first round or two, pick him off, and then, you know, maybe use his takedowns and submissions in, in the second and third rounds. I think he's, you know, he's, he's wrestling in submission game. I think maybe he's on underrated i uh, maybe he's not so his submission game but you know we he i remember maybe a year or two ago he was posting clips of you know his takedowns and stuff like that and uh, you know in tournaments and things you know he's really good and if, even if you go back and watch his, his all fights you know his his ground game is is unbelievable i think red's a guy who's still improving a lot you know he's been around a long time but i still think and i still think he's reaching his prime and i think this is a big fight for him as well because you know, there's talks of, of Bellator coming back. You know, they mentioned it over in, in London last last uh, couple of weeks ago, last week or whenever it was, <clears throat> you know, about doing lots of shows in Ireland and the UK. And, you know, Reds would be a good guy for them. What, what did you say? He's won three in a row or something like that in the Norman fight as well, which he arguably won very, very close fight. Um, you know, even I, I mentioned that Dana White uh, contender series. I think Reds would be perfect for that as well. Or even in the UFC yeah, if they come back as well. 10 grand or something though, isn't it? Like he probably got paid a lot more in Bellator and KSW. Than... Yeah, maybe. But there's even a chance to get into UFC. I'm sure if someone gave him 10 grand, you know, for a fight to get into the UFC, I'm sure he'd take it. Like, But even if the UFC came back, I think, you know, he he's probably up there with, with you know, everyone who's not in the UFC to, to, you know, to be the next guy from Ireland into the UFC again. Again, yeah. I, you know, I think he hasn't, you know, lots of guys when they fall out of the UFC, maybe they'll go and lose a few fights and stuff. You know, that, as I said, that Norman fight was the only fight he's lost, isn't it? Since he, he left the UFC, he won, you know, all the rest of them pretty, pretty handily enough. And that was, that was very close. So, you know, I think, I still think, I think he got into the UFC a little bit earlier at that time. I think if he was getting in yeah, the road, and then 145 as well, that 145 as well, yeah, 100%. I think if he was getting there now, it would yeah, be a different The kind of series uh, would give him a bit more spotlight, you know, all the UK and Russia MMA media would, would be covering that. Like, um, when you're kind of in the middle of a, a European card or something, there's a lot of other, other guys to cover. But yeah. the thing about the contender series is, unless you're like a, a Nick Newell kind of guy or, or a Greg Hardy kind of guy, you can win a fight, even win impressively, and still not get a contract. So mm-hmm. I'm not sure if Reds would want to go to all that effort, but uh, it's definitely an option anyway. That's true enough. Oh, what about, uh, I know you mentioned Chris Fields there, but how, how does he's, his fight fall out this time? Is it going to be playing not going, or is it going to be his opponent, you know, falling on a bar of soap, or what's going to, how is, how is it going to, how, what have we now, we've like four days until it, how is it, how is it going to happen, I don't know, but yeah, hopefully it doesn't, um, yeah. yeah, could be, could be the old red like and yeah, I think that. But yeah, that's a you know that's a good fight. As you mentioned, probably his, his toughest. I always thought he should have been fighting at light heavyweight anyway for the last uh, last couple of years because I think that's much lighter than than middleweight. And you know he's been doing it now, and he's one of those guys that stop start all the time in his career. Just unfortunate with you know injuries and you know the snow. The last time got, getting his fight out and you know guys missing away or whatever happened and this is this is a huge fight for him if he can win this he's, he's putting himself right back you know in in there with the the best light heavyweights in europe so uh yeah it's, it's a big fight for him and you know good card ksw I, I believe we'll have a link up for it will we for the ksw um there's a yeah there's a pay-per-view link that if you want to support severe if you're going to buy ksw you just click our link and we get a a dollar <laughs> per boy Dollar dollar bill, yeah, yeah. So do that and, uh, and check it out. It's, it's a pretty good card, anyway. It's always good to watch. KSW is probably the best, <laughs> not to be not to go full PR here or anything, but it's probably the best card you can watch for in terms of enjoyment. Like, so uh, yeah, do that, watch it. Uh, and then Brave this weekend up in up in Belfast, which I'm sure Severe will be up there, uh, covering. I'm not making like the nine hour trip up, but I'm sure some, some few lads will be <laughs> nine hour trip. 
<clears throat> it is so hot. I wonder how long it is. Hold on, we'll ask my phone. I have my internet off. Um, a lot of Irish interest uh, in this. I suppose Francis Milan, headline in the card is the main one. Norman Park versus Miles Price. You know, Carl Amosu's on this card as well. Andy Young, Decky Dalton is fighting on it. This is this is a pretty good card for the crowd up north, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Keen Cowley's on it as well. Uh, Conrad Omanowski, Sam Slater, Tommy Martin making his pro debut. Mm-hmm. There's a few very, very uh, good fights on a, of Irish interest. Uh, obviously, you said you mentioned the main event, Franz Malambo against Stephen Lohman. It's a rematch of a of a fight they had at Brave One, where um, Lohman won a decision via wrestling, if I remember correctly. Uh, Franz, I think, was was doing his old trick he used to do of trying to pull a guillotine all over the place. Uh, <laughs> You've talked him him enough slagging about that. Hopefully, <laughs> hopefully I, I've said it to him every time I've seen him. <laughs> I'm like, what are you doing? Uh, so, yeah, this is an interesting one. I think Lohman's going to think, oh, I'm going to try and take this guy down, and it's going to be the same as the first one, but hopefully France will be ready for that, and France has obviously got very good striking. You, you don't, like... Uh, you don't win the amateur world champ, the IMMAF championships without without being a really good striker, and he's shown in the, in a couple of his recent fights, even if there was a bit of an early stoppage in in one of them there, that he's he's very dangerous on the feet, and he uh, even from seeing him spar with Conor McGregor and other guys in in SBG over the years, he's he's well able, he's well able on the feet, well able, very very quick. Yeah, I suppose we've a lot of American listeners as well, and maybe would know him as well. Like, do you want to talk a little bit about you know McGregor? A lot of his camps, he's like his main striking partner, isn't he? Even for the McGregor or the the Mayweather fight, he was a big part of that, wasn't he? That's yeah. Him and Artem will always kind of be there, and then kind of maybe mix around between other people as sparring partners, uh, depending on depending on what the the bout or the fight is. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Franz is near, nearly always there, um, just because of of he's qu- so quick and he's a really good kickboxer and. Uh, yeah, so it's, he's 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 always over there. He was flown over to to uh, Vegas to be one of the, the sparring partners as well. Like, and um, I think I think he had a what was it like eleven and three or something an amateur. It was it was a really good amateur record anyway. And he he at the end of that he won the the IMAFs, which is fighting which is fighting like what like three or four times in in a week mm-hmm. or in, in a week and a half. So. Uh, yeah, he, he he made a few mistakes at the start of his or he, his pro debut was very impressive. Actually, he knocked out Darren O'Gorman, who's looked who's looked really good since. But um, then he, as the gear, he he, just, he was he was not fighting the takedown enough, in my opinion. But it's obviously easy to say all this after the like you know, as uh, Luka Jelkic once said, like it's uh, it's easy to be the general after the battle. So, mm. uh, but like these are the things like you know, people think losing is a disaster and. Especially to start of your career, it's important to to not have a really bad record. But Francis turned it around. Like it was, what was he two and two, and now he's five and two. So uh, this is another another big one. Like six and two and five and three are very different records as well, and it would give you a brave title and a win over a guy who beat you. So this is a big big fight for France, especially yeah. in a main event with with a lot of eyes on you. Yeah, yeah. So like I was on two FM last week, and even doing the podcast over on Patreon with Pete, he was kind of talking about how this this and. <sighs> An important time for the young Irish MMA stars coming up, you know, with the likes of Franz, Reese McKee, uh, Kiefer Crosby, and uh, you know, a few more. You know, there's guys blowing Cork as well. I think one on two of the, the Maguires is uh, three and O or something like that. You know, this is an important time for for these guys to kick on, you know. And and I think Franz is reaching that stage now where you know he has he has a lot of those early mistakes kind of out of him. He's improved an awful lot, and this is a fight I think where he wins it, and you know he could be moving on to to bigger and better things uh, after this, and maybe. 
be after one or two more fights. But uh, it's, this is a big time for Irish MMA. You know, if you're a fan listening to this, we, you know, we talk about UFC a lot of time, but, you know, if you're an Irish fan listening to this who, who just likes the UFC and Bellator and stuff like that, this is a good time to be, you know, kind of... I, I was I was in the same situation myself, you know, and then I kind of caught on to it. But this is a good time, I think, to be kind of catching on to Irish MMA. This is, you know... If guys are going to break through, this is the time over the next year these guys are going to break through and move on to becoming really good fighters. You know, even James Gallagher as well in, in uh, Bellator, he's going to be, you know, coming back here pretty shortly. And, you know, Tommy Martin making his debut. I know you talked to him at the weekend and other guys as well. Uh, this is this is a big time for him. But, oh, I suppose I mentioned Tommy Martin there and we'll get to the other guys in a second. But you talked to him at the weekend. You know, a lot. Of, we had a couple of people ask last week about Tommy Martin. You just want to give a couple of words on, on Tommy Martin. How you know he's been around for a long time. I remember watching the, the severe video you did with Conor McGregor after he won. I think it was was it his first title or his second title at Cage Warriors? And Tommy Martin, you know, was there. I don't know if he was in his corner, but he was one of the three or four guys kind of with him. You know, he's been around the scene for a long time. A lot of people always talking about him being a big prospect, and this is he's making his. Uh, his pro debut here. How how excited are you for this one? Yeah, he's had a, as you said, he's had an extensive um, amateur career, and, and um, but so has your man Aiden James, his opponent who he's fighting. He actually has more fights than 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 Tommy Martin at amateur, and Tommy Martin's been fighting at amateur since what 2009, 2010, and uh, there's a lot of he was he was like kind of like talked of in SBG as like the next big thing for a while, along with along with James and a couple others, and he kind of just injuries and setbacks and. Uh, you've just been unlucky like sometimes this happens in your career um you just you get a couple of injuries he said he he got a, he injured his knee and he kind of was in denial about it and he didn't want to get the surgery because he didn't want to be out for so long and but he just had to man up and just get it in the end and get on with it like and he said he's kind of like he wasn't even sure if if like you know if everything was just going against him if he, if he was going to come back and mm-hmm. you're, when you're fighting amateur you're not getting paid as well so it's hard to get by a lot of people think like all oh, these mma guys are MMA fighters are loaded and like unless you're really really good or a really well-known name then you're not you're just not rich you're, you're poor you're very poor yeah. <laughs> so uh yeah it's important it's important to uh it's important to have a to good amateur career like and make your mistakes there but also you, you also want to get paid and you you don't want to be an amateur for too long and you want to like you know even if you're what 10 12 and 0 an amateur um nobody really cares until you're a pro so now that he's a pro, he has he, he has the chance to to come out here against a very experienced guy who's one and zero in his career. And if he can get the win here, like I I, I, I t- expect him to to be back on Brave or, or even Bama or something, and he'd be fighting on these big shows and maybe getting paid a decent decent amount of money. Mm-hmm. Um, he fought Jack Shore in the the semi final of the two thousand five European IMAFs, and, and he lost by arm lock. But we know we all know how good Jack Shore is. Like he was. Mm-hmm. An undefeated amateur, and he's 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 a uh, he's still a uh, an undefeated pro now at eight and zero. So he, he definitely fought some really tough guys. So I, I don't think this guy Aiden James is going to be the toughest guy he fought. But um, as we say, like pro debut adds a bit of pressure. There's there's a lot of people there going to be there brave as well. Like uh, a lot of the fights of Tommy Martin's that we covered over the years were in like small man of war in Dunleary or in you know tiny venues with big chandeliers over the over the cage you can't lift people too high or you'll hit it like stuff like that so it's a, definitely a bigger spot and a different th- a different thing and it, it goes on your pro record which you're going to be remembered forever which i think adds a little bit of pressure but um he's an experienced fighter and he's he's also fought without the rash guards and and the the neat the, the rash guards and the what you call them shin pads, pads. Shin pads yeah. yeah so he he's had that experience before so uh hopefully that'll that'll stand to him as well 
Yeah. Uh, Keen Cowley as well is fighting here on the undercard. You know, he's obviously that the court case coming up hanging over him, so you know that that could be a factor. But he, you know, he's a guy who's we've seen him before. He's an unbelievable kickboxer, but his ground game was always the issue. Good takedowns and 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 his uh, jujitsu, but you know, um, he's fighting on the check here. Who I believe he's the guy who fought Richard Cowley, isn't he? Am I, yeah, is all right, yeah, he lost to Richard Kiley uh, mm-hmm. by KO in the, the second round. But besides that, he's he's uh, he's he's, he's uh, two one and one uh, with a win. His last win coming over Steve Owens, uh, who oh, was really? uh, yeah, an SPG guy yeah. at the the Bama thirty five card that we were that you were at as well recently. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Keen Kelly, obviously, uh, yeah, as you said, like really good Muay Thai striker, like um, runs his own Muay Thai gym and very well respected in that community and stuff but mm-hmm. came in there in his pro debut was was doing well on the feet but got but got taken down and caught i've heard from a lot of people in SPG that, that he's worked on his, his ground game a lot and his takedown defense a lot and that he's going to be a harder he's going to be much harder to to, to run or to uh take down and submit now but you kind of you hear the stuff kind of sometimes and it turns out maybe not to be true as well but i've heard from a few people about king kelly so I'm expecting at least uh, a good bit of improvement in his in his grappling. Yeah, and I suppose maybe the biggest thing for for the guys on on this card they have uh, they've you know probably well maybe not the three bigs but three of the biggest guys from up the north with with uh, Decky Dalton, uh, Andy Young, yeah. and, and Norman Park. And I suppose that Norman Park Miles Price fight is probably you know probably the biggest matchup for local people on this on this card. You know. Norman Park, we all know, coming out of uh, coming out of the UFC a few years ago, probably never should have got caught. Niles Price is, you know, he's missed a lot of time through injury and stuff recently to fighting out of uh, fighting out of Team Rhino. Kenny Man, you know, they fought before, didn't they? This, this yeah, in 2010, a cage contender, uh, Norman Park submitted uh, submitted Miles Price back when, but both of them were the kind of the main guys or one of the main guys around. Uh, but that was a long time ago now. That's like eight over eight years ago, so you can kind of write that off. Uh, um, but uh, like Norm is just as we or as you were saying there, he's very harshly cut from the UFC. He's he's a very difficult style to fight. Um, this is um, a catchweight, I think. I believe is it. Uh, let me just yeah, it says seventy three kg. I don't know what that is, but it's catchweight, yeah. Yeah, so I, I, I don't think um, Norman's going to be... Norman cutting down to 155 has been always a very tight cut. It's been very touch and go a lot of times. So I think that will benefit Norman. And he's fought like UFC caliber guys and fought to very close decisions in the in the, in the fights he has lost. So I, I expect Norman to win here. But Miles Price is, is really light in his feet and ha- has has ways to win. But I just think Norman's Norman's style is, is going gonna, is gonna to be the what, what wins it here. Yeah, yeah, should be should be a really good fight anyway. And Andy Young as well bouncing back uh, from his his last and his last fight as well. Decky Dalton always uh, always exciting. Always exciting. Uh, yeah, it's a good card. We, I believe we have a few free uh, few free tickets to go. Ahead. But Instagram is probably the best place to get them, isn't it? We're running the competition. If you what is it? Tell them, Graham. Yeah, just uh, three pairs of tickets to give away to Brave uh, in Belfast this Saturday. One on Instagram, one on one pair on Instagram, one pair on Twitter, and one pair on Facebook. And uh, today's the last day to get your to get your shares or your likes or whatever it says you have to do uh, on the particular social media. So get them in. Yeah, hundred uh, percent. Instagram's probably the best place. Go over there and like Instagram. Tell everyone in your family to like them as well. And you'll probably have a great chance of uh, winning if we don't. There's, there isn't that much. I've been trying to. Go. I'm. I'm not an Instagram guy, really. Uh, I, I just really like it. Yeah. Uh, I just po- post beautiful food pictures. If you like food pictures, go and follow me on Instagram at John G. The way you can't post links is just. Yeah, it's so stupid. Like, what, what is, is the it? point? I don't understand it. It's really stupid. All right, let's get on to UFC 
which is a low-key fucking brilliant card if, if I'm <laughs> looking at it here. This is God on my we could we could spend fucking an hour doing this and we might do another podcast during the week uh, talking about it as well because it's, it's so good over on Patreon. So head on over to patreon.com forward slash severe my podcast sign up five euro a month. Um where do we start? Let, let's start let's start at the bottom and work our way up. Joseph Benavidez is coming back here in a tough enough fight, isn't it? Against Sergio yes. Sergio Pettis. You know, Sergio's last fight was uh, uh, probably a number one contender fight against uh, Hank Cejudo, my boy, UFC two 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 one eight. Uh, and you know, Joseph Benavidez is coming back here. When was the last time he fight around? Was it around a year? I'm just looking at his record here. December yeah, two thousand and and all that rehab as well, like yeah, yeah. against Henry Cejudo as well. So this. This is a tough fight to come back for Joseph Benavides, and it's a huge opportunity for Sergio Pettis as well. Um, you know, I, I picked Joseph Benavides to win this most of the time, and I probably will pick him in this one as well. But, uh, you know, coming back from the ACL, coming back from, what is it, 18 months out against Sergio Pettis, not going to be easy, is it? Yeah, it's, it's it's a tough one. Like, when you when you come back from injury, like, it's, especially something like a knee and an ACL injury, is you, do you trust your knee yet? Like you know, it depends where he is. I actually ran into him when we were over at the UCPI and he's in Vegas, and he he was there with Megan Levy, his his wife, and he seemed to be in good spirits, and he was in there like every single day and working on his knee, and he he couldn't wait to get back in there. So I hope I hope he didn't like you know some guys rush back in, and it turns out to be. It turns out to be the bad decision, and then he ends up giving him trouble for ages. So hopefully that doesn't happen. But like before he before he left, uh, got, before he got injured and went off to, to rehab his knee and all that, he was what probably ranked two or three in the division. And you're kind of looking at him, being like, "Well, he's already lost twice to Demetrius Johnson. Where does he go from here?" But I think enough time has passed that if he if he can put a like if he can start off here with a nice win against Sergio Pettis and reel off a couple more, you could you could make that fight happen again. Yeah, hundred percent. Um, working up the way in the car. Then, my boy, Team Sheehan, hashtag Team Sheehan, Mirsad Bektic, is coming in here in the biggest fight of his career against Ricardo Lamas, a guy who you basically denigrate every time we talk about him. Um, <laughs> well, I just, I just don't see the fuss. Yeah. How how do you think this fight goes? Yeah, I think I think this is Bektic's fight to lose, but. He managed to lose a fight that he should that he should have won uh, against your boy. The damage uh, recently enough, um, so nothing's guaranteed. But I think I think Bechtic is just a better everywhere than Ricardo Lamas. I think Ricardo Lamas is good everywhere, but not great. And I, I just never I've never seen the fuss about Ricardo Lamas. I've never I never understood it, but yeah. he, obviously he's he's eighteen and six, so he's had a pretty good career. But Bechtic is. Bechtich is one of these prospects that everybody's been waiting to have their kind of breakout performance, and I, th- I think this might be it for him now. If he if he doesn't make a breakout performance here, maybe maybe he never will. My thing about Bechtich is, <laughs> and it's very similar to Benil Lariush, even though you know he's team Sheen as well, and people might say I'm biased or whatever, but yeah, I think they're really good, unbelievably skilled all around, but I think I think the chins might be an issue with both of them, especially Dariush. It's, it's been proven with Dariush. We've seen it once from Bektich now against my boy, Darren Elkins. Yeah, I think he got very tired in that fight as well, which did, yeah. I don't think helps your chin. Apparently, people talk about that. Like, I think maybe it's it's having your mouth open instead of breathing through your nose, or it's just mm-hmm. a lack of lack of um, ca- trying to catch your breath. I don't know what it is, but it seems that when, when you're tired, you're, you're more susceptible to, to getting finished. Yeah, and, and look, Ricardo Lamas is... We, we, you know, we saw in his last fight, he absolutely, you know, knocked... Knocked seven bells out of uh out of or was it, yeah it was our two fights ago wasn't it out of 
out of Jason Knight. He got knocked out himself by uh, Josh Emmett in his last one. But uh, yeah, this you know it, it's a tough fight for uh, Mirza Bektaj. I actually like Ricardo Lemus. I think he's not a bad fight. He's not the best fighter in the world. No, by no means. I'm not saying he's terrible or anything. I just. I know, you know, I know. We were talking about getting another title shot after, like, he already had mm-hmm. a title shot. And stuff. What are people talking about? Like, yeah, that is true. You are right. But yeah, I think Bektic will win it, but I, I wouldn't rule out uh, I wouldn't rule out Lamas at all. Uh, the two fights above that in the preliminary card dinner. Uberim. Pretty good. Curtis Blades, as as he was once famously called, against uh, against Overeem. You know, Blades has, has beaten Mark Hunt, Alexi Olnick, your boy, and, and Dan- Daniel Milanchuk in his last three. This is this is a tough fight for Overeem, isn't it? I've, I haven't looked at the betting odds in this, but if you know, I'd be interested to see him. Blades is a good wrestler and stuff. Overeem, you know, has a good guillotine and stuff. I, I've I've not I'm not talked myself into thinking Overeem's going to guillotine him now, but he probably won't. I, you know, I have a feeling Blades is going to take him down, wrestle him for for three rounds, try to stay away from Overeem's striking and and win it that way. How how do you see it going? It's hard to know. Like Overeem could just do that is his outside game and. I think he probably will. I think Overeem's going to win this one. Um, I, t- I think Curtis Blades is a, is a great prospect, and I think I think he may be a contender in the future. And I may be proved wrong here, and I wouldn't be that surprised at all if he won here. But I, uh, especially at an, as an underdog, I, I like um, I like I think I'm going to have to put a little bet on Overeem here. Oh, see, an underdog is he? I didn't realize that. Okay, fair enough. If he is, uh, that's fair enough. But should be really good. Who cares anyway? Yeah. The main one, the main voice that we've all been waiting for for the last uh, year. The return of Chick Magnus. Chick Magnus. Hold on, before we get to that though, Claudia Gadelia and Carla Sparza. That's that's a good fight for that division, isn't it? You know, Carla Sparza. Yeah. She was she was once champion, and she's coming back now. She's on a roll here with with uh, two wins in a row over Marilyn Moroz and Cynthia Cavio. Came in with a load of uh, a load of hype behind her. You know, Gadelia is one of the best in the world as well. How do you see that one going? Ooh, um, I see Gadelia winning until she gasses out, and then maybe I'd say she'd be able to hold on because I don't think Esparza has stopping power. But oh, like that cardio is a big problem. It's a big problem. It, it seemed to have gone away a little bit, but it reared its ugly head again there in the last one. Uh, I think it was her last one anyway. Uh, I think I think technically she's the better fighter, but maybe it's the size and the cutting all that weight, and I don't know what it is because you, you think. You think she would have sorted this out by now, especially with a change, a change of camp and all that. Maybe, maybe that, maybe she kind of thought she had it sorted and took her, took her eye off the ball on it, and then it came back and bit her in the ass the last time. So, I, I, I would go with Cadella here, but I'd be, I'd be wary of her gassing out. Could this be the fight that doesn't happen in this card? There's always one or two, you know. Could Cadella miss weight and not, not fight? Yeah, <sighs> yeah. If I had to predict one, it'd probably be this one to be honest. So hopefully not, but. <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised at all, but uh, yeah, it should be a good fight. I'd probably pick Gadelia as well. <clears throat> I think Asparza is good and improved everywhere, but I think Gadelia on the feet might be a little bit better. And three rounds as well, it, it will suit Gadelia, I think. But uh, yeah, a really good fight. I hope it does happen and it'll be really good. Well, as you mentioned there, your boy Chick Magnus, uh, CM Punk, former world champion, former tag team champion, uh, ex-leader, the Nexus. One is of the he best. not like longest reigning something? Yeah, longest reigning modern uh WWE champion, uh, <laughs> Bruno Bruno San Martino, the late great Bruno San Martino has the has the uh the longest reign ever. But uh what about what about or, or that's in WWF, I suppose. What about uh, Bill Goldberg's WCW? Was he even champion? I don't know, maybe he wasn't. That was just this, that was just a long streak, I think. I don't think he held the belt for as long as CM Punk did. Brock Lesnar is actually gonna beat CM Punk if he holds it for like another month or something. So we can only say that for another while, uh, but he's yeah, he probably will. But um, anyway, CM Punk, 
pro wrestler, as we know, lost. Both these guys have only one fight. Mike Jackson, who's fighting uh, medium member Mike Jackson, both lost in pretty dominating fashion to uh, to your boy Mickey Gall. <sighs> I don't know what are we supposed to fucking say about this one. I, I'm actually I, I don't mind seeing it because I want to see CM Punk given a chance again. He'd no business fighting Mickey Gall. Like Mickey Gall is just you know he's brown belt in jiu-jitsu. He's fought he had fought like two or two or three times. Just get fucking whooped. Like why, why would they do that? Mike they were trying to prove a point that you can't be like some like over the hill wrestler who's not even that good a, not 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 that good an athlete and come over here and beat anybody. You know why? Why would you do that? And why instead of like doing an Aaron Chalmers and maybe giving him guys off the streets where he can beat and get, getting four or five paydays out of him? You know, pro wrestling fans buying yeah. pay per views to watch him. Why would you not do well, here, that? Uh, like this is this is what this is the fight they should have put together the first time. That, that's why I'm okay with seeing this. You know, if they'd gone in and given him fucking Sage Narcot or something, I'd be saying, like, Jesus, go handy. <laughs> so get, get this one killed. But, you know, CM Punk against Mike Jackson is a good fight. You know, Mike Jackson, he posted a few uh, videos of himself doing doing kickboxing and a bit of Muay Thai. He's pretty experienced in that, I believe. You know, he's only one to one MMA fight. But Mike Jackson should win this fight. It's hard to know because we don't know much about either guy. Uh, CM Punk, look, he... What is it? A year or more since he made his debut? You'd think he'd have a bit of improvements, maybe. What you know? How much improvements could anyone off the street make in that amount of time? Which basically he was. You know, this I've no problem seeing this fight because I think he deserves a second chance because of the, the big, the big fuss they made about signing because of who he is. That's just the real world. Let's be honest here. This is not just a sport. This is entertainment as well. And I think you know you need to understand that uh, if he loses this, this will more than likely be his last fight, won't it? Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, looking forward to it. Mike Jackson, do MMA media members proud? Chick- <laughs> well, it actually funny we call him Chick Magnet. Carl Pinter had began calling him that. There was always rumors of him being called Chick Magnet, and I believe even in a couple of, of official things they were calling him Chick Magnet. But it was also Chicago made. He was supposed to be called for CM Punk because he's from Chicago. But he's a court case this week. Uh, it's a long story. I won't bore you with it. But it came out. It had. They had to say what the name actually stood for, and it it said it was Chick Magnet. So, Carl Binder was right all along calling him Chick Magnet, and the and the MMA were trying to call him out that time. So, fair play, Carl. Um, after that, then Andrelowski tied to Ivasa. Not too much to say about that. I I think everyone will probably agree tied to Ivasa will win that one. Although Andrelowski is no joke, you know he can. Yeah. There's always a bit of uh, if you get complacent, he could hit you with a big punch, and you could be down. Yeah, there's always a like, bit of uh, Travis Brown. And yeah, mm-hmm. Travis Brown had him on the on the ropes, and he kind of went in for the kill and got flattened. Mm-hmm. But then the, the the three big fights, I suppose, and this is a big a big night as well for uh, Australian and and New Zealand uh, kind of MMA. I was no, I never know which ones are there for. And if I suppose if people did that with Ireland, England, we got fucking <laughs> mad. Be livid. Be livid. But you know, Taito Ivasa, Megan Anderson, and Robert Whitaker in three of the top four fights here. It's a, it's a huge night for uh, Australian and and uh, I don't know it's Australasia MMA. There you go. That's the word I think. Uh, what, what about this Holly Holm Megan Anderson fight? I, I was went back and I watched a bit of Megan Anderson uh, last night, and mm-hmm. she's a better fighter than I remembered her to be honest, because it's a long time since she has fought, a long time since I've watched her. But still, the level of opponent she's fighting is not very good. What what she has more than anything is her size. We saw Holly Holm against uh, Chris Cyborg, who did okay with the size. You know, she got beaten badly in that fight, but still, you know, it was a close, relatively close fight, a close fight, and Cyborg has probably had with anyone in, in recent years. You know, Megan Anderson does not have the level of power, does not have the level of technique of Chris Cyborg. She, as I said, she is big. She, she throws a good jab. She throws nice leg kicks. She's a good clinch. She's, she's she's strong. She's very strong. But I just think Holly Holm 
is that bit more school is that bit more technical is that bit more smart very you know, patient has, as well yeah very patient has faced the higher level of 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 strikers of mma fighters and she should win this one shouldn't she yeah i think so yeah i think this is this is they could have given Me- uh, megan anderson a couple of megan a couple of easy ones megan anderson a couple of uh, easy ones or easier ones um built her up into a mm-hmm. like kind of invicta title versus ufc title against cyborg but if Holly Holm wins, are they going to do Holly Holm and Cyborg again? Probably, mm, yeah. Probably because there's just no, there's no depth in these divisions, and these two new divisions that they brought in the women's has just made it worse. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think they should have just put Megan Anderson straight into a Cyborg fight because I know she's not good enough to beat Cyborg or anything, but that's not the point. <laughs> you just need challengers for Cyborg, and as you said, if Holly Holm wins, it's probably going to be Holly Holm Cyborg, and we've already seen that, and it was a good fight. I wouldn't mind seeing it again, but. I wouldn't mind seeing it again in two fights time, maybe. And I wouldn't mind, uh, you know, th- this is just bad matchmaking for me. It makes no sense. But I suppose if Megan Anderson goes in here and wins, it's great, ma- great ma- matchmaking because you can build that fight up. And then, you know, if she beats High Home, maybe knocks her out or something, that's a big, big fight in between Megan Anderson and, and Chris Cyborg. So they're betting on that. Uh, that's not a bet I'd be taking, to be honest. Right, let's move on to the two title fights here. And we've the, the first up, we have the interim welterweight title on the line. It's Rafael Dos Anjos, the former... Lightweight champion takes on chaos himself to face the pain of MMA fighters, Colby Covington. <laughs> How are you seeing this one, Graham? To face the pain. Um, yeah. Um, it's a tough one to call this one, but I think RDA is just more well-rounded. I think Covington's striking against Maya kind of got shown to be... I know Maya's a bit awkward on the feet, but he's not really a striker. He never has been, and he never will be. Um I think RDA is just too well-rounded, and if, if it starts going wrong in, in one dimension, I think he can take it to the other. But Kobe Covington is obviously a very strong wrestler as well, but I think it's a, it's a close one, but I, I think RDA, his pressure, his his uh, the speed at which he fights and his well-roundedness should be enough to, to, to edge out here, edge out the winner. Yeah, I, think, I think a lot of people are kind of looking at that Habib-RDA fight and thinking, oh, Colby's going to do the same because Colby is a similar type of dominant wrestler, but... He is in a way, but he's nowhere near as good as Habib. He's bigger and everything, which might be a factor as well. And he could do it. I'm not. I'm not ruling out definitely. If he wins, that's the way he'll do it. He'll drag Rafael dos Anjos around. I just, I just think dos Anjos has improved an awful lot from that Habib fight. And he, he definitely has. You know, it was before he was even a. Champion. He went in like a ten fight win streak or something after, after he lost to Habib. He's improved since then. I don't think Colby is as good. I think dos Anjos is better at welterweight. I think he's technically very good. I think he hits hard, as you mentioned. He's, he's striking is superior than anything Colby has faced before, and definitely Maya anyway, in the last big fight he's had. Like, this is a, a one I could see where Colby gets a few takedowns in the first couple of rounds, and it, it doesn't wear the Sanyos out because his cardio is just unbelievable. Cardio is probably the best of anyone in the UFC, you know, and, you know, it, it, just unbelievably good anyway. Um <laughs> If he keeps coming hard, stops to take down the third and fourth round, and and Colby maybe tires a little bit, and he's hitting him with big big shots. It looks to me like you know maybe a, a designer's decision or t- third, fourth, fifth round stoppage for designer something like that. Uh, you know, I, I, it, this fight could actually it could go a lot of ways. That's just my thinking of it, but it could be Covington holding him down. You know, it could be. Dosanya's winning early and Covington getting very desperate and didn't get in takedowns. It could, could go a lot of ways, couldn't it? Yeah, it could. It definitely could. But I think I think just the, the biggest gap in scale is going to be on the feet. 
and um, maybe Ordier isn't known for his knockout power or anything, but the, the pressure and he puts on and he throws combinations and he just keeps that that the relentlessness up for for three five rounds whatever it is and. I just think I just think this is going to be too much for for Covington. But as you say, it could go a number of ways. If Covington can get the takedowns, um, he 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 could win this fight. Like, but I just think I think Ordia is just going to have too much on the feet, and I think he'll be able to maybe Covington will be able to get a couple of takedowns early enough. But I think as the rounds go on, I think uh, Ordia's cardio and pressure will will prove too much. Yeah, hundred percent. And in the main event is. Is a rematch of a fight we saw around a year ago where Robert Whitaker takes on Yoel Romero this time for for the full uh, UFC middleweight title. I watched that fight uh, last night again or the night before, and it was it was an interesting fight. You know, Whitaker got injured early. He was doing a lot of movement on the outside, coming in really quick with big shots to stop Yoel Romero getting off his big shots. You know, we know we know what Yoel is like. Big. Big takedowns, big shots, big knees, tries to bludgeon you. And it didn't really work against Robert Whitaker because Whitaker was... Uh, it worked early, didn't it? It worked early a bit. He, 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 uh, really? I remember right. Did he win the first round, Romero? I, I thought he won the second round only. I, I gave him the second I round. The first round was really close. He took the third round off, then uh, Romero, and you know it's kind of all Whitaker from then. But you know, Romero is one of those guys where he doesn't need to be winning. You know, he can lose twenty-four minutes of a fight and he lands one knee and it's over. You know, that's yeah. the kind of fight he is. And I mentioned, you know, he's wrestling there. He's he's a, an Olympic medalist in, in wrestling now, but he's not the best um, MMA wrestler. And now he did take Whitaker down a couple of times, but you can put that down to uh, the injuries. But he, you know, he's a good wrestler, but he's not. He's not a Chelsea and Colby Covington, Habib type of wrestler, you know, even despite what his credentials say. He's a really a striker, you know, he's a knockout artist uh, in MMA. And I think that's probably how he's going to fight again. But as I mentioned, like what Whitaker did to stop him from getting those shots going is, look, what, what Yoel Romero wants you to do and what wants to, wants to the, the way he wants to fight to go is to lull you into standing there. And for to have both guys doing nothing, and then he'll throw. You know that's what he's. A lot of guys we see, you know, they they set things up and they throw him. Yoel Romero is not that guy. He is a leap in. He's like a frog, leap at you and just throw, hit you with a knee or hit you with a hook or something like that, and knock you clean out. What Whitaker was doing was, he never gave him a chance, not once in that fight. Well, maybe a couple of times in the fight, but it, you know, it never it never worked for Romero. He never gave him a chance of getting off. He was there. He was, you know, he was. He was like a, a fucking moth at the bog on, on top of him. You know, he was a flea, fleas on top of him, just never letting him get off. And even after he was injured and all, he never let him go off. And I think it's a similar sort of game plan here. And I think it'll go the same way. I think if it goes to the decision, Robert Whitaker will win. But it only takes one with Yoel Romero. It literally only takes... We saw with, you know, he's... What is it? I think Rockhold was last five of his six fighters... Something like that have ended in like the third round. He, yeah, Rockhold. We saw it with Rockhold. It just takes one shot for him to put you out. And this, this is the the type of fight that you know. If it goes five rounds, people are probably saying, ah, five rounds again, not the best fight in the world. But this is the type of fight where the likes of me, likes of you, the likes of the hardcores listening to this podcast are going to be on a knife edge on the edge of their seat for a full five rounds waiting for that. Uh, you will remember a big shot coming. I'm really excited about it. Yeah, I'm really excited for this fight. Even if it is a chess, even if it does turn into a chess match, uh, yeah. as you say, both guys can finish at any moment. Like uh, Whitaker is a very unorthodox, unorthodox striker. So is Romero. Uh, Romero is obviously an Olympic wrestler, but he hasn't hasn't translated. Maybe like some people thought it would, even though he's obviously been very successful in, in his MMA career. Uh, Robert Whitaker has been working on his wrestling. He, I think, he was selected for the the Commonwealth team, but he co he couldn't do it in the end due to injury. 
but he's also coming back from an injury as well, which may affect him like a bit bit rusty. It's hard to know, but like I I, I think Whitaker has too much for him. I think Whitaker is more active. I think Romero is a little too happy to do nothing and wait for an opening. Um, I don't I don't think he's gonna be given many openings by Whitaker. So I think Whitaker is gonna do enough to win. And as you say, Whitaker injured himself in the last fight and still managed to to win the later rounds. So mm-hmm. I'd go with Whitaker in this one, but uh, Romero, is, as you said, is very dangerous at all times. He could be he could be four rounds down and just land something huge. Yeah, 100%. All right, let's let's get to the questions here. We, we'll talk about Yair because I believe we've uh, a couple of questions about him. I know a lot of people want to hear about that. So let's uh, let's fly into them. Sure, I told him about it two First weeks ago, didn't I? <laughs> yeah, you did call it. You did call it, in fairness. Um, all right, let's get to Patreon first. Patreon.com forward slash severe MMA podcast. Andy Stevenson, first of all, just posted it. Lads, what are your thoughts on John Redmond's departure from Team Rhino? I saw some comments from Siri Reds or etc. that they're either taking the piss or absolutely fuming at him. Hard to tell with the lads, especially Siri. It led to me Probably start both. questioning the level of... <laughs> I, I think they're just taking the piss. Yeah, Johnny Johnny Redmond, Johnny Jitsu has moved from Team Rhino to SVG. Like, there's... There was a, the, you, the comments on, on Facebook between, like, Siri and Reds, or I think... I think there's probably a bit of bit of truth to them, but it's also a bit of just slagging Johnny Redmond and slagging each other like they always do. And even Carl Roach was in there saying, ah, it's because you're all crap lads, even though he's part of the team. And it's just a team rhino vibe. It's just take the piss out of people. Um, there's obviously a lot of ties between John Kavanagh and Andy Ryan um, over the years and even still. And team rhino used to be called SBG Northside. But when you get in there and you're fighting, fighting a guy from other gyms every every few months on uh, local shows and etc you obviously build up a bit of a, a friendly rivalry and they obviously they obviously want to win and i think maybe like not, no disrespect to johnny Redmond, but he's he's not like you know an up and coming prospect that they have pinned their hopes on or anything so i think it would have hurt a lot more if it had been had been one of the, one of their their young up and coming guys who who had jump ship yeah uh, all right let's get into a couple more questions here from um from patreon thomas delaney asks about darren Taylor. You know, there, there was the, his wife, I believe. There was there was an incident. Myself and PZ were talking about. Look, this is the kind of this is the type of one I think is forgivable. Um, sometimes you know it it can be unprofessional stuff, but look, I, I think there's a lot of understanding. This I give. He cuts down an awful lot of weight, and weight cutting is a, is a joke. Mm. I know, but I think I, when I, you okay, there was a family circumstance um, that he wants to keep private or whatever. That's that's perfect. But if you're if if you're during the week like kind of kind of with Habib and the tiramisu, if you're like drinking big bottles of Red Bull and doing all this stuff publicly and eating all this crap, and people are going to look back and well, well, why were you doing this when you can't make weight? Like, you know, it just makes you look bad, even if there is a, even if you would have made weight in your own mind, if you hadn't had that family emergency that you had to kind of to run out to. But even when you look at the Paddy Power video that you mentioned, um, yeah, like that's a stream weight cut. Like, you, yeah. If he can't get his weight at a lower starting point before he does these weight cuts uh, due to his size, then I think he just needs to move. I know uh, he's looking at a title shot now, so he obviously would like to be like a dual weight or a three-weight champion. I don't know how many more of these weight cuts he has in him, so he needs to get that title shot really quickly if he wants to stay 170, and I see him his future at 185. Uh, Darry Kelly asks, any word on uh, Sinead Kavanagh's next fight? Have you heard anything about Sinead Kavanagh? I was actually chatting to Sinead. I dropped up to SBG to drop in something there uh, the other day, and she happened to be there. I was talking to her. She said she hasn't got a fight lined up yet. She's waiting to hear. Um, I would have thought Bellator would have been looking to get her in there as soon as possible, but um, according to her, anyway, she hadn't heard anything. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, Derek Kelly asks, does Terry Brazier struggle to make lightweight if Reese wins? What's next? Uh, has TV, UFC, or Bellator, surely? Yeah, this is a big fight coming up, which we'll, we'll probably talk about more uh, as it approaches. But uh, Reese McKee is fighting, fighting for the lightweight title against the welterweight uh, champion of um, of Bama. Big fight, isn't it? Yeah, it's a, it's a very big fight. Um, Terry Brazier obviously um, won the belt. I think it was his last fight. So he, he immediately said after he won the belt that he was going to move down. Um, and but uh, for like, I think Reese in his last fight just looked so good that I think he's going to have too much for Terry. Like even if Terry Brazier can get get a couple of takedowns, we saw in the Richie Smullen rematch with uh, with with um, Reese. That Reese can hang on the ground and he can he can get back up and he can even he can even go for go for his own submissions and and all that. So it's a, it's a it's a it's a tough fight for Brazier, especially when he's going to be cutting weight cutting down fifteen pounds for, um, that he hadn't hadn't usually cut. Uh, I think this is this is a great fight for Reese to <clears throat> if he can win this have to have the lightweight title in Bama and to have a win over the the welterweight champion it will be huge. Yeah, Sean Dini asks in honor of Pujanozzi fight week, how do you see him faring against uh, Bedarf? Not. I don't know too much about the uh, bed off. Do you? What do you know about him? You know, this is uh, another big fight in KSW. Pudzianowski, obviously, you remember we, when we saw him above in Dublin, just all the Polish lads there were just going absolutely insane for him. And I think, you know, people need to realize what kind of KSW have gone on here over in Poland. So it's just, it's unbelievably big. And, you know, looking forward to, to seeing that. I don't know too much about bed off, but uh, looking forward to, to seeing that. Connor didn't ask, what, what do you see? Uh, can you see SBG versus Pitbull Brothers actually happening? What do you think about this, Graham? <laughs> Um, I don't know. What, uh, what, what, weights, what weights are the two boys fighting at? 45 and 55, I think. Like, maybe Queeley was calling one of them out. He can fight at 55, I suppose. Um, you can just do catch weights as well. Nobody really cares. Yeah, I don't think it I, I, I don't see it. Yeah, I don't see it happening. Yeah. Uh, and the last one here from Patreon from Dalton Stickney. So, Yair Rodriguez has returned to the UFC. How much has the game changed since he's been gone? How will he fare against the new crop of young guns? Personally, I'm glad to finally see him back in the UFC, but I wonder if the level of competition has evolved past him any time. He hasn't been away that long. Will the fans remember him? Thoughts? I realize there's a lot of time back here, so feel free to. Um, yeah, I'll probably talk about this more over on Patreon, and I'll get to most of these uh, these Twitter questions over there as well. We get the one or two here, but what like Yair Rodriguez, I suppose, was some of the was the big news coming in this week that he signed back with the UFC, and I think we've basically discussed this already because you called it a few weeks ago. Yeah, it's just it would have been a silly decision to let him go, and if Yair wants to become a big star in in Mexico and all that stuff, then the UFC is a place to to do it. So it just it made too much sense for them to be together rather than rather than go off and fight elsewhere. I thought if he did go off and fight elsewhere, he'd end up in the UFC, back in the UFC anyway, but maybe it came, it came, uh, I, we kind of predicted it would come, it would come, he wouldn't fight so the UFC, but it, uh, it's good to see they sorted it out pretty quickly, and he's, yeah, Rodriguez is now saying that they're on the best terms they've ever been on, so hopefully, hopefully that's true. Yeah, it always felt like it always felt like a negotiation more than anything else, and and you you definitely called it before you went. So yeah, it's good to good to see you're back. And obviously, we'll talk more about that fight. Uh, we're pushed for time here. One or two more. A couple of lads asking: CD Irish MMA and uh, rootless UFC. Any any advice for leaving start, Graham? Any advice for leaving start to come yeah, up? Yeah, um, yeah. People get there's way too much pressure put on people for this kind of thing. Uh, it doesn't matter um, as much as they make it out to matter. And if you do, if you if it does go all wrong for you. If if you really think you need to leave insert, you can just do it again, 
and if you don't you can you can go into college as a 23 year old uh, mature student like it's just not the end of the world it's not the be all and end all it's made out to be so if it goes wrong don't worry about it breed relax sleep well as well if, if you think oh i can stay up and i'll study here for two hours or i'll sleep study for half an hour and sleep for an hour and a half that's that's my advice sleep is better for you because you're not going to remember a lot of those things anyway look at your notes before you go in that morning do a lot of sleep i've done i've done like four years of college done my leave i've done a shitload of exams and that's the best I, advice i could give anyone sleep have a good night's sleep so there you go uh jeremy Potter, why is graham the worst graham why are you the worst jeremy Potter wants to know i don't know Father, what would he know? He's a weirdo journalist. Yeah, he is a weirdo journalist. I'll have to get him on soon, actually. I have to get him on. And uh, Richard Kiley actually was asking questions over on Facebook there about <laughs> Terrence Brazier. And uh, do you reckon that this Terry Brazier is actually fighting Reese now? So will Richard Kiley be there, like calling him out? Oh, that This comeback, do you reckon he fights again in 2018? Richard Kiley, or he's calling me a cynic, but like, let's be honest there. Professional cynic, but your heart's not in it. You're paying the price of living life at the limit. It's true. That is true. Um, all right, that's about it. I, I sorry we didn't get all these Twitter questions, but I will get to them in Patreon. I'll do an extended version yeah. this week. I'm gonna uh, have we'll to do a lot of more just because Sean's down. internet and computer sucks. Usually yeah. it's mine, but yeah. this time it's him, so it's all your fault, Sean. Yeah. I'm gonna edit was... it for ages. I'm gonna have to do it in the sun though because was... I've been inside for too long. Any uh, any outro here, anything you want to say to the people? No, just uh, yeah, if you haven't entered that Brave ticket competition and you're looking to go to Brave, get on it now. Uh, quickly, uh, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Inspirational quote of the week. If you're not living on the edge, you're taking up too much room. See you next Tuesday. Maybe. <laughs>